Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 31 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today, we welcome a man who has been involved in poker since the early 90s, not just as a player, but probably more so as a highly regarded coach and author. He's written several poker books, including the iconic Elements of Poker, along with a plethora of poker articles, and he's also a longtime musician. I'm very happy to welcome poker guru Tommy Angelo to the Cards Chat podcast. Tommy, how you doing? I'm doing really well, Robbie. Thanks. Good. It's been a while since we've spoken. How has this, uh, you know, before we get into like the pokery stuff, how's this last yeah. year been for you? It's actually been great. Uh, my wife and I already worked at home. And so, you know, we didn't have any major disruptions because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've had a most of our unhappiness through this time has been through the unhappiness of others i mm-hmm. guess you know there's so much of that around in both of our families and whatever and you know mm-hmm. it's been hard mm-hmm. but in terms of in our four walls here it's been good we've been okay. all right it has it impacted your day to day really at all not a bit wow um, you know we're able to um during the total lockdown here i live in the bay area california which uh-huh. was you know when they locked down, they locked down. But we oh, yeah. were able to get food delivered and, you know, do Zoom calls with with people to say stay sane. And so it's been all right. And okay. That's good. Is that you know, we're always looking on the the bright side of things. Is there anything that you could point to perhaps over this last year that stood out as particularly positive, perhaps a, a silver lining uh to the cloud that we you know we've all kind of experienced? Um I would just say that uh you know. We've heard a lot of stories about relationships, married couples who, by being forced together more, has been not necessarily great. Sure. But you hear other stories. And for us, it's been good. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, our relationship has become better and stronger through this period. Beautiful. How long are you married for? Um, uh, we've been married 16 years together, 20 years. Beautiful. That's wonderful. Wishing yeah. you at least 20, 16 to 20 more, at least. <laughs> Hopefully many, many more, Tommy. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. All right. Well, for those of you listeners and, and people watching who may be unfamiliar with Tommy's work, let's give you an idea of a couple of quotes from Tommy's Twitter. So here's a couple. You can train for poker while waiting in line. And you can train for waiting in line while playing poker. <laughs> and here's another one. <laughs> Painless poker is attainable, but not sustainable. So those are just a little, a couple little nuggets of wisdom. And I feel that they could do quite well, honestly, Tommy, if they were like in a fortune cookie or something like that. <laughs> so, so what I want to ask you first, uh, when it comes to coaching, do you see yourself as like a coach or more of just like a imparter of wisdom? Because you kind of have that that Yoda, Jedi type of mentality thing going on. <laughs> no, I'm definitely a coach. Definitely uh-huh. a coach. I mean, I work with every client based on who they are and how they are at that moment in their life. You know, okay. and I have many, many clients currently, you know, some currently and over the years where I've worked with every week or every month for years. And so, you know, it's definitely a coaching 
thing, you know, where they can write to me about anything. And I already know their situation. I keep very detailed notes on every client. Every client I've ever had, I have one giant Word document on mm-hmm. them. So wow. I have all email exchanges, all notes from every call. So even if I haven't heard from somebody for two years, mm-hmm. within five minutes, I can be, and I even take pictures of them. So I, I can be completely caught up on, on their situation, remember everything about them. So, yeah, it's definitely very personalized coaching what I do. And, of course, I hope to impart some wisdom along the way, but only as is relevant to precisely their situation. I find that very interesting, you know, like the the immediate analogy that came to mind when you say you've got, you know, detailed long notes and you've been coaching some people even for years, almost like a medical doctor in some way. You've got their whole file, you know, their medical history. Um, The thing is, you know, with a doctor, you say, okay, something's wrong. you got to fix it. Right. So how does uh-huh. that work? You know, let's let's expand the analogy for a player. Right. OK, you can fix certain things. Do you keep looking for more weaknesses or things to hone in their game or do they bring you more things? How does that work? Oh, both. So it always starts out where they, you know, my um, my product, my coaching model right now is extremely uh, accessible. Mm-hmm. It's inexpensive. You go to my site, you just schedule a call and we go. Mm-hmm. And there's only two questions I ask. One is, what do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. And what games do you play? Okay. Uh-huh. okay. So under what do you want to talk about? Sometimes I call some of my clients novelists. Uh-huh. You know, they write me the whole story of their lives, which is great. I don't uh-huh. mind reading it all. And I take detailed notes. Other times I get, you know, this much to go on. And so there's a lot of questions I have to ask at the beginning. Uh-huh. But in, in, in any case, it, it's... Um, what was the question? Okay, the question is more of, do they come to you with their problems or do you oh, yes. kind of yeah. analyze their game and find problems and then work on that? Both. Both. Okay. And I tell them that. I said, like, for example, let's say somebody sends me some hands. So I do tons of, of detailed strategy coaching. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say somebody send me three hands and they're like, what should I have done on the turn on this hand? And, you know, should I have called before the flop on this? And they'll have specific spots they want to talk about. But then I'll see other weaknesses as we go. And I tell okay. them I'm exactly like a doctor giving them a checkup. Right. I'm looking for the, the lowest hanging fruit of what we can fix the fastest, the easiest first. Interesting. And then whether they bring it to me or not. And, okay. and then, uh, but it just depends on the client. Some clients, are they know exactly what they want to talk about and what they don't want to talk about because it's their dime. Right. Right. <laughs> and they'll come to me and they'll say, hey, I want to talk about, you know, uh, you know, some mindset issue, uh-huh. but don't bring up meditation. I'm like, OK, OK, whatever. Huh. You know, it's, you know, so they'll some clients know exactly what they want and need. Others are looking for me to uh-huh. guide Oh, cool. That's their certainly personalized uh, type of coaching. Well, you know, so, so let's get involved, you know, into some of the content uh, that you've produced. Uh, most recently, I know you've done a series of quick little videos called Poker Words. You can find that mm-hmm. on your YouTube channel as well as your website, TommyAngelo.com. Um, yeah. Right now, uh, you're in the midst of a three-part series about the importance of playing position. But right. I actually want to first ask you about a really good analogy that you made uh, in one of the videos, I you know, certainly resonated with me. You talked about shearing sheep. And before uh-huh. you even get into that, I have to say, you know, you had a little tiny, like there was a picture, a little snippet of someone shearing the sheep. Right after right. I watched this, oh, I gotta go like, how do they shear an entire sheep? So I went and saw, I looked at a sheep yeah. shearing video. So that was interesting. Can you care <laughs> to explain, explain that analogy? Well, the idea is that, it, um, 
the uh, as a pro, right? So let's say you're a grinder in a regular room, and, uh -huh. and you're a regular there, and you have your you know your fish and your whales and all these people. Uh -huh. Okay, one of the things in the video I pointed out that in the poker lexicon, whale and sheep is kind of similar. Yes. But the, yes. But the whole idea of and the theme of that video is it's done with gentleness. Mm -hmm. If you're actually shearing an actual sheep, you don't want to do it in some sort of abrupt, violent, painful way right. because you want the sheep to come back willfully and enjoy the experience of having of being sheared. Right. right. And if you watch these videos, the sheep are like totally into it. I mean, they right. have no problem. Yeah, they're on their right? back. They're very relaxed. Right? Yeah. And so so if I'm back when I was making my living off, say, you know, a handful of people at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, the biggest losers. OK, well, my attitude toward them at the table was was generous, kind, humorous, mm -hmm. light all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. And and the whole idea is that I want those people to want to play with me. Right. Right. I want them to enjoy being sheared by me. Mm -hmm. And they know that's what's happening, but they want to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's the whole idea is like, especially if you're a regular grinder in a room or you have certain people that are extra valuable to you as a pro. Mm -hmm. it, it, uh, it, actually, a reasonable analogy is a bookie, right? Mm. With, if you're a bookie, you don't want somebody and, and let's say somebody's some uh, a small time player, right? right. You don't mm -hmm. want their credit line never go over a thousand or whatever. Mm -hmm. You want them to keep they have to. It's the return business is is vital. Right. 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 So you want to win a small amount off of them every week rather than try to gouge all you can out of them one week and never see them again. Sure. That's definitely so that, a better kind of, long-term approach. The idea. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but I'm going to just back up to something you said. You said, you know, these little videos. Uh -huh. Okay. I just want to emphasize that this is, this is my book writing now. I'm not writing books right now. I'm making uh, these videos. Okay. I am putting every single bit of my creative energy into mm -hmm. these. And the three that you're that I'm just finishing up, the third one is going up on April first on position. Uh -huh. It, you know, I mean, the actual amount of hours I'm putting into these is enormous. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because we I always love see it. The, yeah, we always yeah. we always see the final products. So, okay, it just takes a few minutes to watch, but you know, yeah. it's the value that it delivers. You can clearly tell the amount of effort that you're putting in. And it's great to see that you love the process. Uh, what is it that you enjoy most about putting these videos together? I do it. Well, ed editing and writing, creating, you know. So it's it, to me, this process of making these videos, at first I needed to learn how to operate Final Cut Pro. And that, okay. I thank Lee Jones for that. Two years ago is when he, he and I started the Poker Simple videos. Right, I remember that. We stopped after 31 videos because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, at that point, I was super hooked on making movies of any kind. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I can't barely watch a TV show now. I'm watching all the lighting and editing and all that. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, so this is my new, totally my new passion, just as That's much so as writing books was. That's wonderful. And 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 I just I just love every stage of the process. I love making a huge mess, just vomiting out ideas, collecting them, banging it around. You know, I have large files of notes. And then I, I, you know, once I get an actual recording of me talking, you know, that's one big stage. And then comes all the extra stuff and adding things and, and the creative elements. And, you know, anybody who watches the videos, you'll see what we're talking about. Sure. 
But I just love the creative process, every bit of it. And, you know, there's always a point in a project where I get past over a certain hump where it's like, okay, I'm not going to be adding anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, all the content is there. Now it's just a matter of banging into shape and right. tweaking. It. And I have the luxury as an artist to, you know, because I self-publish everything, mm-hmm. including my books, yeah. it can take as long as I want. I can have a video that I think is done, let it sit for a month, come back and watch it again and change 20 more things if I want. And I do. That's true. I, so I, that's what I love. I, I'm sure you've done that also with your writing sometimes, like yeah. oh, put yeah. it away and then that's wake up the next morning with fresh eyes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that's I, it, it's the process of creation cool. that I really, really enjoy. And, and the other thing I like about a shorter time frame of like articles compared mm-hmm. to books right. is one of the things I really enjoy is finishing something. You know, putting that final, 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 final polish on and saying, this is the absolute best I can make this thing. Right. It's out of here. And then it's gone. When you hit that publish button, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's wonderful. Very good. Uh, In your your series on playing position, here's a a quote that you include from the elements of poker. We'll talk about the elements of poker soon. Um, The quote is, acting last is like taking a drink of water. We don't have to understand why it's good for us to know that it is. And the benefits are unaffected by our understanding of them. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. Um, it, the, what I realize is that um, if, if the worst player in the room has the button, okay, he has the advantage of being last that is – inescapable it doesn't matter who plays how well right right he's the only person that can have two people check to him twice and he can make a half pot bet with huge expectation Mm -hmm. right he's the only one who gets the option to check behind on the turn sure to take a draw or on the river to check down with ace high Mm mm-hmm Right. These are the I mean, I could go on the list of like the advantages of being last. Right. Are so fundamental to the game. It's not about skill. Okay. Mm -hmm. so the idea of taking a drink of water is we all know it's good for us. Everyone knows that drinking water is good for us. No one would deny that. Everyone knows that acting last is better than acting first. No one would deny that. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Now, if you can go into the analysis at poker and figure out why. Is acting last so much better? And uh-huh. there's nothing wrong doing that. You can do that. And you can do the medical analysis of why is it good to drink a glass of water? Uh-huh. Why exactly? What's the nuts and bolts? Sure, What's sure, the physiology sure. of why is it healthy? But you don't need to know that to benefit from drinking the water. Right. All you need to know is it's good for me to drink water. I'm going to drink it. That's good. All you need to know is acting last is better than acting first. Uh-huh. You don't need to know why. You just need to act last more often than they do, which has been the central theme of my whole teaching on position. Mm -hmm. Well, the, you know, it's all the compartmentalizing in that way can certainly be beneficial. It's funny also, like, you know, I've done that, you know, a couple of times. So we've got a couple of quotes of yours. It's just like, like I said, kind of like a fortune cookie or, you know, um, there was uh, back in the day, you know, Saturday Night Live had this skit with, uh-huh. uh, you know, Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. It was played by, uh, you know, or, or Stuart Smalley, whatever that was. Uh, it was yeah. Al Franken, that's how I remember. And he was just, he <laughs> something, it just, you know, those quotes really make you think. And then, you know, to hear you explain it a little bit more, you know, it really makes uh-huh. you go, hmm, it's true. You know, they get those fundamentals. Yeah. Um, well, most of my tweets that are like that are 
are excerpts from an article or a book. Mm -hmm. they, there's usually more to the story sure. where, that, where that came from. Absolutely. But as I'm writing and editing, every once in a while, one sentence will come out and just write. And I'll be like, hmm, I think I'll just. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Um, well, also, you know, we saw talking about like videos and other stuff you've been doing. I know you've been involved with uh, the good folks over at PokerCoaching.com. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. my friend uh, Jonathan Little, he's got a whole roster yeah. of coaches as well. Uh, how did that collab collaboration uh, come about for you? And what are the uh, webinar sessions? Uh, what, what topics do you cover? <clears throat> well, we just did one yesterday on bankroll management. Mm -hmm. It was a Phone in. It's basically a phone in show called Office Hours, okay. where I do live coaching with three consecutive people for about twenty minutes each. Oh, nice! And so they they bring, and then everybody else listens. So that's a really wonderful format that Jonathan also does. Uh -huh. um, I've done a couple uh, just regular webinars with a presentation, one on anticipation, um, and so the way it came about was kind of was kind of great. Like Jonathan and I have been having. Uh, coffee once a year at the World Series for, right. for a few years now, right? Yep. So we developed a nice rapport and respect for each other. Sure. So then he had a guy doing some stuff for him who was a client slash friend of mine that I've known for quite a few years. And that guy, Brian, we just happened to be having one of our typical catch-up communications. And he's like, hey, I'm working for Jonathan now. Maybe you should consider doing some content there. I'm like, okay. So we talked about various things that I might do behind, mm -hmm. behind his paywall. Uh -huh. And we came up with the webinar idea and then, then the, uh, you know, the call-in show, the office right. hours idea. And so I've done a total – now I'm, the current plan is I'm doing one a month toward the end of the month. Okay, great. It's like the last Tuesday. And, and uh, so that's basically how it started was yeah. – this sort of random meeting. Uh -huh, and right. then once once that door was open, Jonathan's like, well, hell yeah. <laughs> right. And so we were very, it was very easy to quickly come to terms we were all happy with. Sure. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of theirs, uh, poker coaching and of Jonathan's. And I know he has a, a real knack for picking good people with whom to surround himself and, and get involved with that product. So yeah. it's great to see a couple of great guys working together. Um, what, you know, maybe you can give us the idea, uh, you know, you said you've been working with so many people for, for, for years now. Is there a particular type of player that you feel your coaching is best suited for, or it's really come one, come all? Because you have you know such a an arsenal of tools with which to help people. But who would you say in in an ideal world, if people were looking for, okay, how do I find a coach? Why is Tommy the right one? There's no there's no pattern. I mean, it it it. I can give you an example. I'm coaching a guy right now. He's got to be at least eighty years old. Oh. Um, wow. He plays until we started talking. We've had like three or four calls. If it was like $30 in the pot and he was going to bluff, he would just bet 60 or 80. <laughs> he didn't even know how much was in the pot. Okay. Right. Wow, wow. And, and, uh, and I could give you a couple other examples mm -hmm. and he's like so happy right now. He's like, he, he, I think he, before we started doing coaching, he lost every time he played possibly. And he's wow. booked like three out of four winners. And he's quitting better and doing all this other stuff better. And it's like this guy, you would think it was a total washout, no hope. Right. 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 And then I've coached, you know, world-class players, quite a number of them, you know, mm -hmm. really, truly, truly great players mm -hmm. who, and everybody has problems of some right. kind or another. Right. And uh, so there's no, there's no 
certain kind of player. But since I've made my price lower and more accessible with this half hour thing, mm -hmm. I've been primarily coaching one, two and two, five players nice. over these last three years since I started this model. Mm -hmm. That's been the bulk of, of the people I've been coaching. Interesting. I, 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 you know, this is the first I've ever heard of someone who's 80 years old <laughs> getting training. I think that's, that's yeah. actually, you know, that kind of warms my heart in a way, you know, someone who yeah. wants to keep their mind sharp and, you know, okay, they may have disposable income with which to sit down at the felt, but hey, let's right. find a way to really win and do something proactive about it. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I have a number of clients over 70. Wow. Say. I, at least eight. Huh. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Very, yeah. very cool. <laughs> oh, it's just so great. Do you, do you talk ever about, um, you know, within the poker niche, like, uh, I don't know, satellites or sit and goes or tournaments or, or cash games? Do you break it down in that way or it's more focused on the overarching concepts? What do you mean? What I'm saying it's like, you know, some types of coaching, you'd say, okay, I want to improve at, you know, at, at satellites. So I know I, you know, I don't, overextend myself in those and make sure I always grab a seat or someone who's right. okay. I don't really care about tournaments. I only focus on, on cash games or some people it's multi-table yeah. tournaments. It's like, you know, that, that's what I meant. Oh, but I mean, yeah. I mean, I coach all of those. Okay. Types of people. You know, I have some people play nothing but tournaments. Some play nothing but cash, some mm -hmm. nothing but live, some nothing but online. Uh-huh. And also how uh, other games besides hold them too. Yes. Oh, yeah, wow. the the games I'm I'm qualified to coach strategy on are uh, no limit hold'em, limit hold'em, and to some extent PLO. Okay, interesting. Well, very nice. That's good. It's got a whole uh, a whole wide variety. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Well, you know, like we saw, you know, we we said uh, some people, of course, know you best as an author, uh, specifically from Elements of Poker. It was released in two thousand seven, and you know, again. We've, you know, who hasn't heard about the elements of poker? It stood the test of time. It's regarded as one of the finest poker books ever written. Um, when you first sat down to write this book, mm -hmm. what was your goal with that book? Did you say, okay, I want to write something that is going to stand the test of time? Or it was mm -hmm. more of, you know, I have knowledge to impart and, and let's find a way to do it. My goal was to fill in the gaps hmm. of what was already out there. Okay. And 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 bring up topics and and arguments and points that really hadn't been written about yet at all. So this was the first book to really talk about tilt ever. Right. In and 2007 there wasn't uh, you know, nearly yeah, as much literature right. as we have today for sure. And quitting, like that's the first topic of the book because I thought that was the most important topic in terms of what cost people the most money. Mm -hmm. Um I redefined tilt in that book to be anything that wasn't your A game. Rather than think of tilt as from the bottom up, it's from the right. top down. And that that definition has sort of become you know, uh, common. Sure. Right. The idea of totally accepted. Being, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other reason I wrote the book was as a a uh, for past and future clients. And I explained that in the introduction. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I accumulated that material during my first two and a half years of coaching. I had a 400 pages of eight and a half by 11 wow. notes that I had take collected from right. coaching, right? That was the grist for the book. Mm -hmm. And then I, so I was writing it to expand on and uh, all the things I had 
worked on with my clients at that point. So I wanted them to hear, hear this stuff, mm -hmm. right? Because sure. I was learning a lot. And then I also was for future clients because what happened with my first batch of clients from say 04 to 06 was I would be explaining to them what reciprocality was, uh -huh. okay? And then maybe we would get into like, how does that affect your life? What can we do with your game with this mm -hmm. knowledge? Right. Well, once I, that was really frustrating for me because there was like information I wanted to impart. But then I also wanted to do the personal coaching because sure, I was doing like this four day program. Well, with the elements of poke with once the book came out, then I could just say, go read this book. You mark the spots that excite you, that are the parts you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so it made my whole coaching package way more efficient. And that right. was by design. Right. OK. And so it's like now, anytime anybody hires me, if you like go book a one of my calls, you get the ebook sent to you whether you want it or not. <laughs> like, to whatever extent anybody reads anything from that book before we do coaching, it, they'll get better value out of the coaching. If, even if just becoming familiar with my voice. Sure. So, I mean, you know, we talk about it's the elements, it's a pretty unique format. You've got, uh, 144 morsels of wisdom, well, let's call some of her, <laughs> some of her paragraphs, some of them, you know, a few pages long. Do you have any particular favorites in there? <laughs> Tough, right? Because yeah, they're all I new do. tools. All Boy, new that's, tools. A, that's a hell of a question. Yes, I do. I, the, uh, <laughs> the place I, 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 my favorite is the last one. Okay. It's called, um, uh, a process of illumination. Oh. Okay. Poker is a process of illumination. And so it's two pages and it's a standalone essay. Mm -hmm. And basically it, 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 it's a little bit funny because I start out saying, let's say we want to devise a game based on causing the most pain possible. Right. Okay. Right. We were going to invent a game to create pain. What would we do? And I, and I describe poker in like eight different ways, right? We, first of all, it would have to be about money, you know, and we would be all sitting around in a circle so that when we got pissed at each other, we're all stuck there together. Right. <laughs> and like all these things, it's like if you were designing a game to cause pain. And right. so the point I make there, which I think is one of the, I'm really glad you brought this up because I know you, you know, have a pretty big spiritual streak in you too. And so, you know, connecting how we can advance as humans with poker has been a theme of mine all along. And that's mm -hmm. why I ended the book with it. Right. So the whole idea is that, and, and this was actually brought, this idea was first brought to me by another guy, Rob Cole. And the idea is that as poker players, we are forced to deal with our mental foibles. We have to, right? We, we are forced to face them with a frequency and a directness that most people aren't. Hmm. And that's an opportunity for growth. Right. So so because we get so many small losses and so many little darts thrown at us through poker and all these little pains, once somebody decides I'm going to use all those little pain points as opportunities to practice handling bad situations better, then you're getting like double duty out of your poker time, mm -hmm. because instead of just like being like, OK, I hurt shit, that sucks. Yeah. You're like, I hurt. What can I do about that? Mm, right, right now. Right. And then you're finally actually incented to do that work. For sure. See, totally totally changes your attitude. Players. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really believe that once a poker player takes that attitude toward their 
poker pain basically uh-huh. and sees it as a as a as an opportunity for I'm just going to use the word spiritual as a secularly spiritual growth or uh-huh. inner inner growth or improving one's inner peace or compassion or whatever you want to call it right then big stuff can happen because if you do that work your poker playing will get better too uh-huh. and so then there's the yeah so that's why I ended the book with that theme I like it I got you know it's a you know, I, I, I can't say I can pick a favorite or anything. I thought I was interested to hear your side. And, you know, when you explain it that way, and also, you know, I'm sure listeners and, and viewers can tell by now, you know, about half an hour uh, into this episode, you have a particular way of, of explaining it. And, you know, this is a book that was published in 2007. You know, poker has advanced significantly and tremendously. There's so much more literature, so much more diving into the minutiae of strategy, but at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, the elements of poker, those don't really change. You know, someone starting out on their journey, even in the middle or even, you know, at some, some point, even well further yeah. on their journey, they have to have these yeah. things mastered. Um, you know. Oh, yeah. Then, well, if I may quote myself from Painless Poker, <laughs> and this is probably the best quote from that book. Uh-huh. While the game forever changes, the pain remains the same. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and it really does. Indeed. It really does. Losing to a few outs on the river against an asshole is going to feel the same. Right. right. <laughs> and one of the things also, again, like I, I know this from a lot of people, even if they've only played online, entering the live poker room for the first time or something like that, there's a lot going on. And mm-hmm. part of the live section, live poker section of that book, it's almost like a, an instruction manual. For new players in a mm. casino environment, yeah. uh, there's a lot of information on etiquette, and even people who have played plenty could use uh, some etiquette lessons. Um, I still remember when I was 21 years old, first time I went into uh, the first casino I actually visited as a 21 year old was Binion's. You know, I said, oh, I have to oh, play where, where Chris Moneymaker uh, played. Right. I went into the old, you know, I played 2 4 limit Oldham, but you know, as someone who had played in, you know, just a couple of home games up until then, I didn't really know what was going on. How do I go? Do I go sit at the table? Do I go to the cage? And, you know, there's a lot of, of very cool elements in there to, to introduce people uh, to that. And again, I, I do think it still holds up till today. Yeah, there are certain aspects of live poker. And I've, this is a topic I've written about a lot. And people actually come to me with the questions about behavior, ethics, etiquette, and all that. And, you know, I'm a big believer in everybody do whatever the hell they want, basically. But there are certain bars and behaviors that are considered to be, um, you know, I guess not correct, but could never be called incorrect. I, I kind of like it that way, you know. And so so and I also believe that there are certain behaviors at the table that also are profitable. And it's the same behaviors. Right. No, where you're not judging, you're not snarky. Sure. You're, you're not being mean to the like, dealer and nothing like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Well, you do have a, a way with words, Tommy. And uh, you mentioned at the start of the book that you created some of your own terms that you use. Uh, I like this one, the fluct. When the uh, fluctuation <laughs> when the fluctuation or variance gets you down, you're fluct. I like that. Right. <laughs> so, that's a good one. Um, but one of the terms that you created is a, is quite a common term these days. Um, hijack? You invented that? I did. 
that's really cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> that's really, really cool. Um, yeah, I also invented uh, two-tone and monotone. I don't know if you've heard of those. I have heard of that, the two-tone and monotone yeah. board. Okay, so for those who have not heard, let's say, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are relatively new to poker. Let's explain Tommy's terms. Let's, what's the hijack position, first of all? The hijack is the seat right next to the cutoff, okay? Mm -hmm. And I do tell a story in elements of poker, but basically this is a... Um, uh, well, I wrote something a while back ago, and I just basically said I, it was about limit hold'em, and I had ace nine in the cutoff offsuit, mm -hmm. and it was folded around, and that to me at that time at least was a raising situation at limit right. hold'em, folding mm -hmm. around full game, and the guy right in front of me raised, okay, and all of a sudden I had to fold right, and I said he hijacked me, right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I mean I was. I was supposed to be the one, and oh, it turned out he didn't have much of a hand, but it turned out to be a good play for him. Right, right? position, sure. And I was like, he hijacked me, and I said, from now on, I'm just going to call it that. And go. But the point was, the higher lesson of this was that, and I did explain all this, that, that the reason the button has a name is because it's so positionally significant. Mm -hmm. The reason the cutoff, I'm sorry, the reason the cutoff got a name at all button is obviously named it's just the button right sure the reason the cutoff got a name at all is because of its positional significance people mm -hmm. needed to call it something right? right and i believe that the early seats and middle seats when it comes to opening are all the same i don't i don't really think it's a good idea to lower your under the gun standards mm -hmm. until you get to the hijack seat i believe that that's the first what I call positionally significant seat, uh -huh. where the lateness should affect your ranges. Right. Okay. For opening. Uh -huh. And so that's why I named it, because I really believed it deserved a name. So the naming of the seat in itself brought attention to its positional Brilliant. Report. Love it. And how about uh, two-tone and monotone? This was a case where we, this came up right after the word rainbow was uh, invented. Rainbow flop, you know, right? A lot of these words haven't been around all that long. Um, <laughs> it's well, cool. To me, to me anyway. Yeah. You know, I just found out not that long ago, I researched it, but the word range didn't show up in the lexicon until 2007. Huh. They're putting people on a range or something like that. Yeah. Wow. That's so Isn't cool. That so to speak to someone who created the term, we accept these terms as just part <laughs> of the poker lexicon and poker speech. Well, okay. Yeah, so for those who so don't what know. happened with two-tone was yeah. we had the word rainbow, which I thought was just like brilliant. I don't know where that, you know, where right. these words really come from, right? Uh -huh. thought, God, that is such a great word. Mm -hmm. But then it obviously meant we need two more words because there's right. three kinds of flops. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Once right. you have rainbow, you have to have two other words. Mm -hmm. And I actually worked on this for like a year. Oh, I, my kept, I came up with two-tone and monotone fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. But I wanted something less purely descriptive, uh -huh. sort of more metaphorical, like rainbow. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't come up with anything. <laughs> so we had to have something. And so I, I started writing about that and, you know, it caught on. Sure. So um, you know, we did mention, you uh, we talked about uh, Painless Poker. That's another, another name of your book. Uh, Waiting for Straighters. Uh, is another one. I remember reading that. And that was a good one. Uh, dailiness. And you've even got uh, a rubber band story. Can you kind of give us like a quick uh, couple sentences what each of those books focuses on sure. and how they differ from one another? Sure. A rubber band story is a collection of my poker articles from 1999 to 2011 mm -hmm. that I've written in poker magazines. Okay. So it's I wrote some new notes in there like about the articles. 
But it's basically a collection of articles previously okay. published. Okay. okay. Painless Poker is a, was a seven-year project. It started basically when Black Friday happened mm -hmm. and my you know, coaching just stopped. And I had already started this book. And so it involves a great deal of fiction, nonfiction. It's a 500-page big book. It's a total. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Waiting for Straighters is a much, much smaller book. It's yeah. actually for free on my website, or you can get the ebook if you want. Um, you can read it in one sitting. I can about, speak from experience. <laughs> pardon me? You can read it in one sitting. I can, I can yeah. speak from experience it's, on that. It, half of it's about No Limit Hold'em, half of it's about PLO, and it's about a it's about a pre-flop strategy. It's only about pre-flop. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's got some specific strategies, but it's also got some general philosophy stuff in there about pre-flop. Mm -hmm. And then Dailiness is my only non-poker book. This is written for regular folks, and it's purely about meditation. The subtitle is How to Sustain a Meditation Practice. Mm -hmm. And so because I've coached so many poker players on the beginning stages of meditation for since 2004, mm -hmm. I have a great deal of experience with hearing about people starting and stopping, starting and stopping. They get to a point where they, they really want more meditation in their lives. And that's how I just find this book. It's for people who want to do more meditation than they are now. I'm not trying to sell anyone on the benefits of meditation in this sure. book. You have to already be sold. Mm -hmm. And this is about how to pull it off. And, and specifically, how to overcome the obstacles of being hungover, of travel, of being depressed of how to maintain a absolutely daily practice. So I make some strong cases about why dailiness is kind of necessary if you're really trying to do deep reform, mm -hmm. deep transformational reform of yourself. Yeah. And then it's about some real practical suggestions based on my experience of coaching of how to do it. I like how it. I like it. And of course, someone's living a a poker kind of a lifestyle. Those sorts of things are the typical slings and arrows you encounter uh, on your oh, daily yeah. journey. So the, the meditation yeah. can certainly uh, can certainly help. Well, Tommy, we talked a lot about your your teachings uh, and your coachings, but to be able to do that, you obviously have to have a lot of play experience under your belt. So let's talk <laughs> about that just a little bit. Um, you started off as a limit player, like a lot of players did before uh, the Chris Moneymaker uh, World Poker Tour uh, poker boom. Um, yeah. When exactly did you start playing? How long has it been? And, and what did you start playing when you first uh, you know, hit the felt? And what do you play these days? Yeah. Okay. I started playing for money when I was 14, and that was in 1972. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay, this is around the kitchen table with your brothers and sisters? And uh, oh, no, no. no I, I played with my brothers and sisters for free for funsies starting at like age eight. Okay, wow. Okay. So we'll go way back. Goodness. Wow. Yeah, so so I started playing for money with my high school buddies for like pennies and nickels. There you go. And then and by age 17, I had my own poker table set up in my living room, you know, living with my parents. And my buddies would come over and play at my house rather than us going out, you know, ripping up the neighborhood. That's so cool. My parents were happy with that. I had a really nice chip set. Uh -huh. I mean, not nice, actually super cheap, but then it seemed really nice. <laughs> you had you know, your like own chip set at little, <laughs> Yeah. And uh, so I moved out of the house when I was 20, and my place was always Poker Central for me and my buddies. I, then I was a musician for 10 years, so I played as much as I could, but not a ton of poker, right? Mm. And then around 87 is when I was introduced to a circuit of home games in my hometown of Columbus, Ohio. And that was also the same year that um, Hold'em for Advanced Players came out. 
by Mason Malmuth. And so that's when my I was introduced to like real poker. Right. I went to Vegas a couple of times. I played the Stardust, you know, back then and no idea what I was doing. I was like, oh, my God. And so when I knew there was such a thing as a professional poker player, I knew that that was what I wanted to be. You know, <laughs> so around 1990, I left the music business and became a full-time player, grinding mm-hmm. home home games in Columbus, Ohio. There's a whole circuit of games, wow. traveling to Vegas, traveling to Atlantic City, traveling to, you know, the riverboat games. I went to Iowa, went to Biloxi. You know, I traveled everywhere That's and played. So cool. <laughs> uh, and then in 1997, I moved to California. You know, they have all the best most beautiful rooms out here. So I moved to the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I was near my brother out here. He was the only person I knew out here. And I was playing at Artichoke Joe's. And right after I moved here, Lucky Chances opened right up the road. So I had two wonderful rooms, uh-huh. you know, basically very close to where I lived. Uh-huh. And so from 97, that's when, that's you know, I was grinding full time already, but that was like 24-hour access to 2040 limit hold'em. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Now, it's always a game going for sure. Oh, yeah. I was super lucky that it's a really fluky thing. It's not worth going into the whole detail, but there's been no limit hold and played in public poker rooms here in the Bay Area. Not in L.A., only in the Bay Area since California legalized hold'em in 1987. Whoa. This is like a little kept secret. So right when I moved here, I was playing no limit hold'em in public rooms as often as I wanted to. There was a game somewhere every night. Wow. Like seven years ahead of the money maker. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I was learning it the hard way from like getting the shit kicked out of me by full-time grinders, right? <laughs> and and so I worked my way up to survival status and then mm-hmm. finally to where I was beating the game. Mm-hmm. All of that before No Limit really hit the scene. And wow. I was very fortunate there as a writer and coach to sort of be ahead of that wave. Right. Wow. Goodness. Okay. Um, and, and so now... Yeah, well, I'm just curious. So when when did you, you at what point did you sort of make that transition from limit to no limit? Was it then, or you yeah, know, you continued? Yeah, playing right limit? when I moved here, '97. Uh huh. I was playing limit and no limit every week. Uh huh. Every week. Very cool. Both back. In fact, oftentimes back and forth in one session. Okay. From a no limit. Well, we, we talked about how the, you know you, you mentioned uh, you know uh, Mason Malmuth and David Slansky. Though that was the you know the the people who wrote the earlier poker literature, and we said you know twenty you know two thousand seven. You wrote your book. There just wasn't a lot out there back then. As you gained more and more experience in the live poker realm and in those rooms, especially playing No Limit, did you find what you read in the books to be accurate and proper teaching, or did you sort of feel like it did not necessarily reflect? what goes on in, in live poker rooms. You're talking about the no limit literature? What do you um, mean? Well, specifically that when you first got turned on, when you, when you, what you first were reading oh. from, from. Oh, uh, the limit. Oh yeah. Oh no. I thought it was a very accurate, but okay. these books were only about strategy, purely right. strategy. Right. Right. And, and my favorite writer of that, of that group is Ray Z. He and I've become really good friends. Ooh. Right. Uh, he used to come up to Lucky Chances and play No Limit and 4080 Limit, and we played a lot together. Mm-hmm. And this was after I had already. So I, I mean, this is one of my best poker book reading stories. Was I when I was grinding in Columbus? It's probably around 1993. I got kicked out of the most profitable game, basically from winning too much. And and, <laughs> and I knew there was a 3060 Limit Hold'em game running. I mean, I'm sorry, Limit 3060 Stud game, okay. seven card stud. 
which mm -hmm. I'd also played back then, running in near Washington, D.C., these firehouse games, right? And I was like, I'm gonna, two days a week, Monday, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So I started going out there. I went out there for eight consecutive weeks. This is like a 10-hour drive. Mm -hmm. And the first time I went out, I had raised these book, winning seven card stud, his, mm -hmm. his seven, and I'm reading it on the way out there. Now, I'd already played a bunch of stud, but I had never like learned the right way. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, it was, I mean, that that book, reading mm -hmm. that book, I made 2000 a week for seven straight weeks and My then lost goodness. an eighth week wow. and then and then got invited back to the game because they needed somebody <laughs> to play all night. But that book right there made me a, a whatever, to, you know. So pays for so, itself so many times. Back to your over, question, so. are the book are are the books I read back then were you used the word accurate, but I don't. They were absolutely helpful. But you got to keep in mind that everybody sucked back then. Mm. I mean, there were so many bad players that if you just had read any of those books back then mm -hmm. in the nineties, right, and then put them into practice, your advantage was just um, that's. That's unbelievable. What a time. What a time to be playing poker. Um, you know, I, I've got, unless I didn't, you know, look at this correctly, I did check on the Hendon mob, and I think you have four results on the Hendon mob. <laughs> now, that struck me as odd. I was like, well, but then again, you know, he has always been a cash game player. Once yeah. poker started booming and being on TV and the whole moneymaker thing in the world, I mean, were you never enticed a little bit by the tournament bug? Nope. <laughs> what, what? So, what is it about the cash games? I can that tell just you exactly why. I can tell you exactly why. Sure. Uh, um, so, first of all, back then, uh, in terms, of, I used to. I've been going to the World Series and the Hall of Fame, which was the other tournament in the winter okay, since '87. Right. Okay, right, I never yeah. entered a World Series event ever. Right. I think when I said I said you have four results on the hand up, I think the first one is 1987, uh, like $135 oh. something. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what it was. Right. Oh, I think I had well, lucky chances, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, I did play some tournaments in the Bay Area, like a Bay 101 right. or whatever. But I don't think I've played a tournament in, in 20 years or so, whatever. It doesn't matter. Here's the basic reason I don't like tournaments, okay? Right. They're usually in the same room as a cash game, okay? And, right. and as a professional... I am just driven to where am I going to make money, mm. right? I need to know I have an edge, okay? And the way I get my edge is in three ways. By playing better than my opponents, uh -huh. by quitting better than my opponents, right. meaning I'm playing my A game almost all the time, uh -huh. and by choosing my opponents. Huh. In oh. cash games, I can choose. I don't like this game. I'm going to go over here. Huh. Or... David's on vacation this week. He's going to be coming in every night at, at 7. I'm going to show up at 7, follow the whales around, right? That's how I made my living, was choosing my opponents and choosing my quitting time. I can't do either of those with tournaments. Right. That's it's like a, it makes my skin crawl, just the idea of not having those options. Wow. And never, never, never played the WSOP main event? Nothing special? Like a, Never even considered it. Wow. What an interesting approach. And, you know, it's something that still makes sense today. You talk about game selection. You can't really do that in a tournament. That's a very good Well, point. I mean, here's the other thing. Yeah. I never gained the skill of being a tournament player, so I would be a – what chance do I have? Uh -huh. I mean, seriously. Right. Well, Playing against guys that do nothing but tournaments all the time. Right.
Right? This would be the worst game in the world for me. Unbelievable. All right, well, the last question I have for you, Tommy, before we get into our community questions from our forum members, um, we've talked a lot about your playing. We've talked a lot about your coaching and you've given you know so much wisdom to other players. How do you study? Who do you learn from or how do you learn? Uh, Buddha. <laughs> okay that's not that's not an answer i anticipated <laughs> i guess a better question would be what do you study so poker has become i started meditating every day in 2003 and a couple of years after that i made a conscious decision to to, to meditate while i play poker okay? okay as much as possible and so now poker itself has become a form of meditation for me and so what i do is i go uh, if, if I want to work on my game, um, on my strategy game, I think that is always going on by way of just coaching and keep my head in the game and reading stuff and this and that. But when it comes to what I attempt, what what I how I rate my performance, right, is how well did I sit up? How often did I mindfully breathe? How often did I send compassion and joy and love to my opponents? Wow, that's my that's my scorecard now. That's beautiful. What a what a my goodness! I want to like take that and frame that. I love <laughs> it. That's a beautiful thing. I love it. Um, all right. Well, now we have reached the segment of the show where we turn to you guys, our cards chat community, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. Of course, we have a dedicated thread on the cards chat forums for this, where we announce who the upcoming guests will be and it gives you guys the chance to send in your questions. We've got uh, a couple of regular question contributors here, and they've got some very interesting questions to ask you. Um, from Acid Burn FX. thank you so much. Always come up with <laughs> really creative ones. Tommy, if your life was a book, what would its title be and why? See, now, you should have, if you would have given me this question yesterday. Okay. Could, <laughs> what happened this is in the how, last 24 hours? It takes me at least a day to write anything. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, what would the title be? <laughs> or what would the, or if you don't have to, you know, be a, an exact title, but what would the generic, what would it probably be like? Read, read the wording of the question again. Uh, okay. If your life was a book, what would its title be and why? Wow. I That's know. a good one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. This sounds so corny, but I mean, I've at different points of my life, it'd be different things. But right now, I just feel like um, just trying to be good to each other mm. is like um, that's really all what I hope to do and try to be good to myself and others, mm. you know. Um, okay. I mean, as I'm trying to think of answers, it's like everything kind of melts down to that. If I try to get specific about poker or music or the major elements of my life, mm -hmm. um, it always comes down to like people. Yeah. You know, I mean, the reason I love playing, I play music on my own here, but music, it, it's always in anticipation of like, eventually I'm going to be doing this with others. Right. Huh, Community, like you know, cooperation, you know, humans are, I mean, 
we're amazingly good at cooperating. That's how we kind of took over the world. Yeah. Right. We cooperate in, in groups, mm-hmm. pairs, threes, groups, right? Groups against groups, they don't necessarily always cooperate. But there's some element of cooperation is is really our 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 strength. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to think of ourselves as isolated units, sure. you know, and separate. And to whatever extent we can break down that barrier and realize that all times that we're not, that we're all part of this same sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. Is well, that a title of a book? I, I don't know. <laughs> but that's certainly, it's certainly, um, you know, is in sync with everything that you've been saying I, up until. I know I sort of kicked into preaching mode again, but I, that's <laughs> but just works. where my head at. And know? it works and it makes me smile. I'm sure it's making a lot of people smile right now. Um, got one more question from Acid Burn FX. What small gesture from a stranger has made a big impact on you? I can give one specific, oh, from a stranger. Uh, I see, I, I, don't, I don't have a very good memory for that thing. I can say, though, I did have one time a guy, he wasn't a stranger, he okay. was somebody I knew. We'll but this was it. so, so shocking. It was at a time in my life, I was in my mid-20s, before I was playing poker, and I must have been in really financial bad shape or must have just expressed great hardship to this associate of mine. Mm-hmm. And he gave me a thousand dollars. And I was probably like 23. He just gave it to me. Wow. And and I found out later that he had like hit some trifecta or whatever at the racetrack or uh-huh, something. Uh-huh. But he still didn't have to do it. I mean of still has not. money. Right. And he just like gave me a thousand dollars, which was like ten thousand to me back then in terms of what that meant mm. and what and and i never lost track of that wow. and there have been times i've given people money just given it to them in situations where i wouldn't have if that hadn't happened and wow. made such an impact on me that's beautiful that's that's really paying it forward i like that a lot great story um our next uh, commenter contributor from the forums is shells thank you shells for sending these in um, oh, here's an interesting. How did you happen to switch gears from full-time musician to poker aficionado expert pro? And do you and you said you still make music? I guess. How did you yeah. How did you make that transition? Yeah. Well, it was forced upon me. I, I developed a thing. Um, so in uh, 1986, up till then, I'd been playing drums. Even though I played multiple instruments, that was my job. I was a drummer in a mm-hmm. Band, big, loud, loud, very loud bar band. So then I moved to keyboards. Okay, now drums are the quietest place on stage. I don't know if people realize that. It's an acoustic instrument, right? Guitar players and other people have amplifiers blasting at them. Right. Right. right? So I moved to keyboards and I like it loud. I had the biggest amp you could get and I was just blasting my ears out. So I basically, over the next three years, blew out my left ear and developed a thing called temporary threshold shift. It was very painful, very miserable, psychologically dreadful. And I had to wear earplugs mm-hmm. to per- keep from getting further damage. And so for the last year and a half of my full-time career, I was wearing earplugs on stage. And it was, you know, I was able to perform. I was able to play the notes and play with emotion, but it was really hard inside. I couldn't feel it anymore. Lost the passion. And so at that time was when poker was really picking up in my life, when I mm-hmm. discovered the circuit of home games. Mm-hmm. So one thing led to another with the band and this and that. And so I, I left the full-time music business because I blew out my left ear, basically. Wow. Wow. Oh, my 
goodness. That's uh, unfortunate, but th- you know, things seem to have worked out for you pretty well. <laughs> so that's a yeah, good. yeah. It's Plus, you can okay. still make music on your own terms. You play the guitar yeah. as well. I play uh, bass, drums, guitar, banjo, and harmonica. Oh, you're the one-man band. Huh? <laughs> Very cool. So far. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. A couple more here from Shells. What is one simple piece of advice that you could give a poker player at any level? Fold more before the flop. <laughs> and see if simple, it, but as an experiment. Not as the end all, and see if 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 your life improves. Okay, interesting. <laughs> Especially from the blinds. That's good. I love how you had that in your pocket right there. It is a good simple <laughs> piece of advice. Um, and our final question for you today, Tommy. Uh, it's a bucket list question. Is there anything that you specifically wish to to achieve? Well, in painless poker, I make the claim that I no longer have a bucket list. Okay. That now this is this is from the old, you know from the angle of uh, wanting to be at peace in the moment sure. by not feeling like there's a bunch of undone stuff. Right. You don't have FOMO or anything like that. Right. Right. Okay. Um. Um. <laughs> uh, so I. I'm just going to throw this out there because it's kind of crazy, but uh, but this is sort of something in the works, and this is right to the point. Okay. My bucket list is what I would hope to do is choose the time of my passing huh. in such a way that I'm able to know when I'm having my last conversations with my most loved people and also personally give away my most prized possessions to the people I want to have them before I die. Wow. That's really deep. So my bucket list has to do with the very, very, very end game of how I would like to see it end. That's incredibly deep and also very, very profound. I like that's a good uh, a good note on which to end off. Uh, guys, thank you very much for sending in your questions for Tommy Angelo. Uh, and again, just a reminder for our future podcast guests, if you have questions for them, please check out the dedicated thread in the forums. And of course, please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you'd like the show. Tommy, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you very much. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners and people watching before we let you go? Um, well, a couple things. Thank you. Oh, thank you. For inviting me on. And it's great to see you. Likewise. I mean, people probably don't know this, but we met to, you know, in Vegas a couple years ago yeah. and hung out for a while. And was that was really, fun. really fun. It I'm really, really glad fun. we did. And as far as the videos I'm making now, the Poker Words videos, um, Google hasn't doesn't quite know I'm there yet, I think. So it, the easiest way to find them actually okay. is to go to my website, TommyAngelo.com, mm-hmm. and scroll down a little bit, and then you'll, you'll see them. That's the best way to find anything about me, by the way. It's all there, coaching and everything. Yep. So. Okay. That sounds really good. Well, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Cards Chat Podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me at Twitter at CardPlayerLife. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.